Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. Hello and welcome along to this week's Rugby Pod. I'm your host Andy Rowan. Big Jim and Goody are here with me as usual. Thank you very much to Rugby Pass for their help with the pod. You can now watch the show live on rugbypass.com. Uh, and a big thank you to Guinness uh, as well for their help with the live shows. The, the ones in Twickenham and Soho in May are now both sold out, so we can't wait to get along to those and end the season with a bang. Bang, Jim, bang. How are things, guys? Jim, you're wearing your glasses inside. What's uh, going what on? What are you doing, Jim? I told you, the gorilla's out now. The gorilla is out. It's the, summer. I'm here. Wearing your sunglasses inside says one thing to me. I look cool as fook. Do you wear them at home inside or? Well, sometimes. Depends. What, what does Beck say? She thinks I'm a god. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to get a phone in from Beck and get the truth, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah. God. Imagine Beck on the phone. Yeah. What's he like at home? No comment, he's never here. I'm literally like the boss. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's kind of like, get home, where's my dinner? Are the kids in bed? Good. Get the TV on. <laughs> Good, he doesn't have to see them. EastEnders, right, I've seen that one. She's like, I ain't seen that. I ain't bothered. Get something else on that TV. Who watches EastEnders? Well, I do if I want to. I just put it on <laughs> to annoy her. I don't really. She's the boss, I think. I don't know, I can't work out. Who's the boss in your relationship? I'm I, the boss. You're not? Uh, no, no. You're not? I am the boss when there's no one else in the house, which is very rare. I'm the only person there that makes I me think the boss. You're, I think you're being abused at home. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I think that your wife, or wife-to-be... Yeah. Bullies him. Doesn't, well, bullies him in, in, in a backhanded way. Feeder. She does. She's a feeder. She's not. She's a feeder, she is. She's not. She took a biscuit off me yesterday. Did she? She said, that's enough, Andrew. Well, and I said, there's only one person that calls me Andrew in this world. That's my mum. And she said, well, yes, you've had too many biscuits, Andrew. So here's, a, here's a kebab. Here's a kebab <laughs> instead. No, she's not. Mate, she, she's not a foodie at all. No? It drives me mad. She can eat what she wants, and she is... Well, you see it, stick thin, right? Like, well, what I was saying, decent shape, man. This, this is the thing. Like you're, You keep saying to me, I'm stick thin. There's not a fine line between being, between being stick thin and lean, and that's what we are. We being me and you. Me, no, me and your good lady. But I am worried that she is abusing you're not you lean, at home. Jim. You're like a deflated balloon. <laughs> Jim, um, how are your arms off after moving house again this week? Was that the fifth time you've moved this year? Or? What, are you, what are you doing, Jim? Mate. I've had a stress, stressful few days, I'll yeah. be honest. But I, I, it's been a stress... Mate, moving house, so three things. Worst thing you can do, isn't it? Well, yeah, three things. So it's moving house, dying. I'd say dying's probably the worst <laughs> thing that happens. Yeah, it's, that wouldn't be <laughs> That's number one. <laughs> dying, dying and divorce. Goody, you've done all three, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm still alive, I'm still, still alive. alive. Just, just, yeah. I went to, uh, so I went to the game at the weekend, so I did my, what is... Unless we make the final, because I'm not at the semi-final for Terry, so I'm in Hong Kong doing another Explorer program, soon to be out, on Going Rugby to Pass. to Joe Bananas. Uh, never heard of it. Down to Wan Chai. No, don't know what that is. It's a cultural exercise, Goody. You have to take in all the culture of Hong Kong. Yeah. And I've seen you take in plenty of Hong Kong culture. Well, I've seen you take in a lot as well. <laughs> um, so where was I? Yeah, so basically at the weekend, I was at Saracens for potentially the last, well, the last home game, and watched them absolutely annihilate Gloucester with mate Slug. Went to Wolfpack Bar, got absolutely slippered. 35 pints in the morning. I mean, there's no exaggeration there, is there? <laughs> 35 pints. In the morning, I've got my own breathalyzer, so I made sure it was it was fine. Nine o'clock in the morning, so obviously I haven't had 35 pints, I've had three. Um, Sunday, oh my God. So last year, great Yarmouth rugby tournament. Oh, I've yeah. asked me to go down and hand out a load of awards. I, I pulled out because I was ill, picked up this thyroid thing, Graves disease. I'm all good now, thank you, Goody. Um, so I promised I'd go back this year. Little did I know, it was a 10-hour round trip. So I'm driving in the Mustang. I mean, hell of a car. I mean, midlife crisis. I've, I've, I've had to fill it up twice on the way down, twice on the way back. Got home at midnight. I did the Great Yarmouth dinner about two Fridays ago. I missed you. I did it on a Friday afternoon, driving up there in the heat, sweating in the car. Got in the, the range? Air, in the range? In the range. Got the aircon on, full blast. I'm still sweating. How does that work? I don't know. Um, well, I know how it works, mate. When you've got bat boobs, that's <laughs> generally what happens. <laughs> Left there at... About half 11, quarter to 12, got home at three in the morning. Oh my God, so tired. McDonald's breakfast on the way home? Um, no, we had six nuggets. No doubt. <laughs> it's, it's still class <laughs> as evening. And then, so good, what did you get up to this weekend? Uh, this weekend, I had a bit of family time actually. Uh, so I did a game for Sky on Saturday night, and then Sunday and Monday with family. Lovely. Yeah. Caught up with Benny Jacobs. Remember Ben Jacobs? Yeah, Jacobs. Wash Centre. I mean, you talk about finishing your career. And people going down different pathways, and obviously Jim's called himself Showbiz Jim. Ben Jacobs, 
I chat to him. He's like, yeah, mate. He's the most laid-back character ever. Like, yeah, mate, just uh, doing a bit of personal training for the F1 drivers. He's going to get taken around the world with all the F1 drivers being their personal trainer. Really. What a job. Apart from moving house, you've, you've had a stressful w- uh, week on, on Twitter as well. Some things have come out about uh, some Jim's statements statements you made earlier in the season about oh, yeah. um, who would or wouldn't make the, the playoffs and who would and wouldn't win the Champions Cup. And there's been a bit of a forfeit that's come to the fore, Jim. How have you sort of been reacting to this and, and are you going to go through with shaving your head? Well, if a, a, a bet's a bet, but I've not yet heard. See, what happened before, someone sent me, someone sent me the audio through of the Matt Hampson bet, the £1,000, which I thought was £500, which I did. Yeah. £1,000 paid. Good what job, if, mate. If Wasp didn't make the top well four, they scraped through. Scraped through? We finished third, yeah, they scraped through. So I paid my dues to Matt Hampson. Yeah. And then apparently there's something out there now that's saying, I'll shave my head if Saris don't win the Champions Cup. Well, no let's chance. Just, let's just hold on there, shall we? All right. And let's have a little listen. So I've gone back through the archives. If it's there, it's there. And we'll just play this little clip. Right here, right now, Saris will win the Champions Cup. There we go. Just to reiterate, if they do not win the Champions Cup, you said you'll shave your head, Jim. Uh, uh, Matt, well, I'll shave my head. I can't shave it now because I'm off to Hong Kong next week for the uh, for the documentary. When I get back, I'll shave my head. But mate, this is this is the issue with me. You're, is, an, idiot. You're an idiot, Matt. I'm an idiot, basically. You yeah. won't even take your shirt off at a live show. I'm no, donate- no, of course I won't. I, I'm digging into the pot, thousand pounds, shaving my head. Yeah, you made a bet. What relevance has that got to taking your top off at a live show? Well, I'm just saying that... Like, Andy Rowe, um, have you ever taken your top off at a live show? No. Why do you feel the need to get your bag of bones out? Getting the crowd You have up. not got a great rig. I've got a good rig. No. I have. It is a deflated balloon that also looks like a melted wheelie bin. You've got diabetes, G. I'm looking at you. It's <laughs> out the side. So Champions Cup, Saracens, I didn't realise. I did not realise the void that needed filling. Really, with my, with me not being in the squad anymore, I just took that for granted that they would have filled that with Will Skelton, those, uh, those two Day, minutes every with, week with Nick Azikway coming through. But the void hasn't been filled, and <laughs> all for me because I've got to shave my head now. You have to, um, but also Andy, I believe you had a little bit about something as well, didn't you? No, no. Someone said that I would eat a can of cat food or something if we got to number one in the and podcast. You, you went, yeah, I will. Did I? Have we got proof? Uh, if you want me to find it, you're going to have to find proof of me saying that. Oh, I next week, will I? Pro- so here, will you eat a tin of cat food then? If, if I find, if you it, find the proof, and I yeah. put it on a WhatsApp group, I'll, I'll eat a can of cat food. Right, done. If you find it, but can we can we cook it or something first? You don't cook cat food, mate. Well, I don't want to eat open raw the tin. I want to get sick. Cat food. I'll get sick of that. Won't I, I think you'll be sick either way. Like I don't know <laughs> <laughs> whether it's hot or cold. It's not like a kebab where it tastes better when it's hot. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? When it's cold, either way, it's, it's kill going to the, taste... Kill the germs and things. Well, kill right, we'll heat germ. it up. And anyone out there listening, go back through the archives. Find Andy Rowe saying that. We'll get it out there on Facebook. Well, speaking of the Champions Cup, the uh, final is on Saturday, so we thought we'd get a bit of help previewing it with uh, the man who'll be right in the thick of it. Referee Wayne Barnes joins us. Wayne, how are you and how are preparations going for this weekend? Uh, bonjour. How oh, are you? R- Rodney, bonjour. <laughs> Come on, Sava. Uh, oui, bien, bien, et vous? Fatigate, fatigate. You're fat, Jim. <laughs> Fati- you are fatigate. <laughs> How's the week going, mate? What, take, take us through your preparations for the week for the big game. Um, I've just spent the morning with Bill Keith Roach. Uh, I know you'll know Goody and Jim. I think you probably both work with him, the ex-England scrum coach, who I spend a lot of time preparing for you know, big matches with, just looking at... Pictures of the front row, and um, they're ugly, aren't they? Look. They're very ugly, aren't they? <laughs> um, there's some pretty ones, and there's um, some not so pretty ones. I think is the best way to put it. But you know, just getting some good pictures of what they look like in a good body position, what they look like in a bad body position. You know, it's all about um, the body position. Well, I can tell you what Goody looks like in a body position right now, <laughs> and it's significantly bigger than when he played. <laughs> um, but Barnsley, what's it like being on a good podcast? Obviously, we heard you on Ugo and Danny Cares. Big week for you, and it's great to have you on the podcast. How is it to be on the number one rugby podcast? Well, it would have been great if you'd actually come to my house, Jim. The offer was open to you, to all three of you, but you decided I have to call in. But um, next well, time, you're always welcome to come around for breakfast. Oh, breakfast. I'll definitely come for that. Well, here's the thing, Barnsley. So, referees have obviously gone up in the world, right? You know, normally it was used to be about just refereeing the game. And Barnsley, I've messaged him and I said, mate, can, you're going to come on the podcast. He's like, yeah, yeah. Can you um, just speak to my communications manager, please, to clear it? <laughs> like, you've, he's got a rider and everything. 
Julian. Julian, as I said to you, when you take up the position of the, our attack coach for the England Rugby Union, you can uh, follow the same policies as me. So uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll look forward to seeing you down in South Africa. <laughs> and Barnsley, uh, just a little bit onto the game then. Massive game down in Bilbao. Uh, conditions are going to be hot. Obviously, Leinster being an Irish team playing against a French team in Racing. How is your French? Obviously, we had a bit of a crack there at the beginning. Are you, are you fluent? Are you comfortable speaking French? Are you going to speak French if you need to? Um, so, the RFU's invested quite a bit of money in, in all of us doing French lessons over the last few years. You know, I did it at GCSE. Um, my wife's fluent in French, and um, I, I think it's important to try. I'm not nowhere near fluent, but what I can do is get by on the, on the certain phrases, you know, the lachets, the, the plaques, um, you know, melees, all, all the things. Where I, where I struggle, obviously, is when I'm trying to put full sentences together. So what's really important as a referee is to find your, your key kind of leaders and the ones who speak English. So, for example, when I did Racing versus um, Claremont, you know straight away, Morgan Parra, fluent in English, Ben Kayser, Machino, fluent in English. So, you know, that's part of the preparation this week, just going around, looking at those key individuals and working out in those really tense moments. Who are your allies? Who can you talk to? Who can you make sure your message is really clear? So you try your best. Um, I think it's important um, that I try and speak French. And there's no minimum standard, but I do try and converse. So in those, you know, that moment when you've got a second to let go of the ball, if I can speak French at that point, if I can stop a player in French by some, from advancing, you know, I can add to the game. And that's why I think it's really essential that we continue to try you know, and work on that element. And this is obviously your second European Cup final. First of all, how special is it? And secondly, when you're watching the semi-finals and quarter-finals, are you sat there thinking, actually, I want an English to, English teams to lose so you can get the gig? Because ultimately, it is the biggest stage for a referee in European rugby, isn't it? Um, very special, as you know. It's, it's the biggest game in Northern Hemisphere rugby. Um, Goody wouldn't know. Goody well, wouldn't know. I played in three, but, you know. Finals. Oh, he did. He did. <laughs> <laughs> and it was black and white TV back then. Sorry, I meant the modern game. Uh, yeah, but it was still widescreen then, Goody, wasn't it? Uh, look, the biggest game I, I, in Northern Hemisphere rugby, I'm absolutely delighted to be part of it. You know, everyone's going to be watching that game on the weekend, and if I wasn't there, I'd be sitting on the, um, on the sofa or going down uh, the pub with my mates to watch it, because it's that, that, it's that important in the rugby calendar. So to be in the middle of it with an English team um, of officials, you know, myself, JP, Tom, Paul Dix, Rowan Kitt, all there with me. So a fantastic for English referee to be there. Um, and in the quarterfinals and semifinals, honestly, mate, you know, it's the same as the World Cup. You, you don't start thinking about what this, what this guy did this and this didn't happen. Your referee wants in front of you. Um, and Saracens have done so bloody well in the, the European Cup over the last few years. Yeah, we have. Deservedly, yeah. <laughs> deservedly so. You know, now Jim's left things have obviously changed. But, um, but you, you want the best for, you know, for all the English players. You know, there, there's some cracking teams out there. You know, I work with them during the, um, the, the Six Nations camp and the summer camp. So you want the English players to do well. But, you know, this year wasn't meant to be. And, you know, thankfully for me, I've got an opportunity to be involved in my second um, cup final. Down in Bilbao will be pretty special. Uh, Barnsley, I was a player that always uh, abided by the rules. It was very disciplined. They're called I, laws, Jim. Laws. Laws, rules, laws. Uh, I wanted to chat about something that's been bugging me. And you can see he's been, <laughs> see he's been bugging a few of the players. And it's the seatbelt tackle. Uh, I thought you were going to say about your yellow card up in Scotland in one of your last games. Well, basically, you ended my career, Barnsley. Do you want to talk about that or not? Go on. <laughs> well, look, what happened, you know, just for anyone who doesn't remember that memorable game up in Murrayfield, is that the team were on a warning and then on plods Jim. And, well, he came uh, off the bench. Sprint. He came off the bench. Yeah, I, I, I think it was, um, you know, down to the final reserve and he was a, he was the eighth man left on the bench, so they had to put him <laughs> on for an injury. And um, so Jim obviously hadn't been following the game because if he'd have noticed that I'd put the team on the warning, he wouldn't come flying in at the side of the rut, kill the ball and wonder why he went off for a yellow card. He, stood up and said, that's my first thing I did in the game. I said, yeah, Jim, and it's your last. It was an unbelievable turnover. (laughs) And you know the funniest thing about that, Barnsley, and the genuine thing about it was, Vern Cotter said to me, before the game, when you go on, you can do anything, but do not give a penalty away. And that was the first thing that I did. So thanks very much for that. Um, But talking of rules, laws... This seatbelt tackle, what are your thoughts? And obviously Haskell last week, I watched it. I thought I thought his comments were right, whether he should have said it in that tone. But he mentioned the game's becoming p- pathetic in, in that sense. But you're a guy that's out there and 
you've refereed for a long, long time and you can see what's dangerous, you can see where the malice lies. As someone at the very top of the game refereeing, what, what are your views on the seatbelt tackle? So first of all, this, this term seatbelt tackle has come in, I think, from commentators, if I'm honest, and uh, it's something that's been picked up on. What we're still looking for is people making contact with the head or the neck of the player. So, you know, if, for example, someone's running towards me and he's bending down, you know, in a pick and drive type position and you grab hold of his shoulders and push him to the floor, that, that's not a high tackle. What we're looking for is when the arm goes around um, the head or the neck. That's the kind of tackles we're looking at, even if they're slightly lowering themselves, you know, to dive towards a corner, but you still clock them in the head. We, we want to protect the players. And, and what we looked at after, you know, James's incident was whether or not there's a difference between, you know, someone who's running upright and gets tackled high or whether it's someone who's trying to be kind of, you know, the choke tackle. They're trying to hold him up and then that player slips down almost through his arms. So it's not a tackle as such it's almost someone slipping under the arms of the player who's tackling him and we said after that because you know we all get together on a Monday and a Tuesday afternoon and have a look at all those bigger incidences and that was one of the incidences we looked at we said you know we've got to have a little bit of sympathy for a player who is trying to hold a player up legally you know around the arms around the um, underneath the arms and if the, the, the ball carrier then slips down and has contact with the head. Well, that's not a tackle as such. That's just the player slipping underneath. So we, we've got to, you know, use a bit of rugby now as well, Jim, because um, we don't want to sanitise the, the game too much. But just, just remember why this was brought in. This was to protect players. This was to protect players' safety. And what we said to players was, you've got to tackle a bit lower. Don't start aiming for the ball and just above the ball. Aim below the ball. So if it goes slightly wrong, i.e. you get your timing wrong, or the player slightly dips, you don't smash him in the head. So if he dips a little bit, you hit the ball rather than his head. So this is all about player safety, player welfare. So players understand that, and I hope you know they understand why we're trying to do this. So was Haskell's a penalty then, or not, in your opinion? In we, looked it, we looked at it in a group, and we didn't think the CMO needed to come in for it. Okay, yeah, that, that's all. It's just trying to work out. And do you think there'll be changes next year on that, that rule or the interpretation of that? Trialing in the under-20s, Jim, is um, obviously you know, there's still a big concern about the amount of concussions in the game. And, that, and the best way to change player behaviour and, you know, and almost force a change is through rules and through regulations. What they're going to trial at the under-20s is tackling the, below the armpit to see if that works. Um, now, obviously, you know, you're never quite sure about what those unforeseen consequences are. So that's why it's important to trial it before it goes into... The, you know, the, the international arena and rugby world cups, but this is about protecting players. And so if it's, it's worth trialing to see if it works and, you know, let, let's see what happens on the back of that. But we still want to see, you know, people being tackled and, you know, tackled ferociously. Um, but it's got to be a legal tackle. And then obviously you've been a professional referee now since 2005 and it obviously it's changed a lot since then um, in those 13 years. Just for our listeners, all the referees get together on a Monday and Tuesday, do a bit of training, um, have a bit of banter. Just give us an insight into the referees. you obviously got yourself and Matt Carley, JP Doyle, Tom Foley, uh, those sort of guys. Um, who's got the best banter, who's got the worst banter and who's got the biggest bush? That's what we want to know. <laughs> Well, if you lot would have come down to my game on the uh, weekend, you could have found out yourself. But um, I think I think you both bottled it, so you'll have to come down next year. Well, I was the nutritionist. I just couldn't get there. I was too busy eating. <laughs> there was plenty to eat, plenty to drink. Actually, they, they ran out of beer after about 7 o'clock, so I had to go up to the local boozers and steal all of their supplies. Um, so you would have been in good company there, Goody. Yes. Well, uh, Nick, Nick Wood was reffing, wasn't he? Nick Wood got us home at the end. Um, we, were, we were down with about 30 seconds to go, and... Uh, Woody managed just to squeeze out a draw for us. But uh, loads of the Premiership referees were there on Sunday at the charity match down at Lydney um, Rugby Club. You know, Tom Foley, Luke Pierce, Christoph Ridley. A lot um, of bushes, a lot of bushes, that's what you're saying. A, a lot of, you know, strong men in the, in, in the Wayne Barnes 50. But, you know, as I said, get down there next year and you can actually find out. Please. Can I ask a question on that? So you say strong men. Craig Maxwell Keys, what position did he play? He's about three foot one. Yeah, he would have been like Jim. He would have been on the bench. Um, so, um, but, but I'll tell you what, uh, Craig has got an engine in him. You, you all would have done, well, maybe not you, Goody, but you all may have done the OGO Rotex. I may have done loads um, of them. You've just completed it. <laughs> yeah, completed it. Uh, maybe in your car. But... Craig will get up to 22, 23 on the yo-yo test. Oh, and I used four. to get 25. <laughs> uh, but Barnsley, last question before you go, and it's an important question. So Goody gives me a lot of stick on the podcast. You refereed me a lot of the time. 
Were you frightened by the amount of power I was generating around the rugby pitch, either carrying but mainly smashing rocks? Yeah, the best thing when you were playing, Jim, I knew I was safe because I had time to get out of the way. If uh, you were getting the ball, it was going to be telegraphed, so I had plenty of time to get out of the way. The problem is when you get someone like Scott Britt coming down your channel and then, you know, he's, he's a bit more nimble on his feet, but you remember what happened to him, Jim, you know, he, he ran down my channel, so I put him on his backside too. <laughs> yeah, true. And Wayne, uh, just finally, you've said before in the past that Goody's one of your favourite players to referee. Why, why is that? And um, you know, do you have any favourite memories of him? Referring, I guess there's, there's two memories which stick out. The first was um, I, I was up refereeing Leicester and um, Worcester were on their way up there, and I, I stopped off at the I think it was the Hilton for a cup of tea before the match with my boss Tony Spreadbury, and they were standing there, and all of a sudden, you know, Goody and the Worcester team are there as well. So Goody calls me over, tries to butter me up a little bit, and says, you know, Barnsley, oh come on, I'll get those coffees, I'll even get you a chocolate slice. I thought, oh, that's really kind of him. He's telling me, you know, what a wonderful team Worcester and how positive they are. That 18 minutes in, he forearm smashes Tom Cross in the face, <laughs> almost decapitates him. I produce him red cards, and, and he said, well, the coffee clearly didn't work, did it? Judas. Um, and, what, and you'd already give me a yellow as well, you Judas. I know, in 18 minutes, Judy. That's how good you were that night. Um, and, um, you yeah. I just, I've always enjoyed players on the pitch who just you know, are quite amusing. And when Sean Perry and Andy Goode were playing on the same pitch, that was amusing. It made me look skinny. <laughs> yeah, it made, it made most people in the crowd look skinny as well. Wayne, thank you so much for joining us and uh, best of luck and have a good call uh, for the Champions Cup final on Saturday, mate. No, thanks very much. And I look forward to seeing you all at my house for breakfast sometime. Can't yes, wait Barzi. for that. Bring out the Chinese buffet for Goody. Yeah, Cheers, Barzi. Black pudding's the lot. Cheers, Barzi. Cheers, fellas. Bye. He's a good man, isn't he? Good man, hate him as a ref. This is the thing that's rubbish, so much... ref, mate. He just didn't, he just didn't get the rules. When I mate, when he was ref for me, he <laughs> didn't get your didn't understand. He, he didn't get your rules. I, I tell you now, that yellow card that he gave against Argentina almost ended my career. I was dark, dark, really after that. And mate, well, how was I meant to know that the lads were on the final warning? Listen, I've mate. come on, listen to what Pay I have listened to. Watch a fucking the game. ref, Mike. Am I? Yeah. How am I meant to know? Yeah. Come on, there, line out, sack, sack it. Keen as must and obviously I was the best counter-rooker in world rugby. I've come flying in. Last minute, last last minute, literally the last millisecond, I've slipped, gone off my feet, yellow card. I'll tell you what, though, I do like referees that you can have a rapport with yeah. because there are some belters out there. Yeah. And there have been. I'm not going to name them. But Go on, just, name no, Dave, Dave Pearson was a belter. Why is that? Oh, he just loved himself. He's the one who sent yeah. me off. He used to come in, and we, we worked out at Leicester, right? So Dave Pearson come, come down from Newcastle. Um, or he was I not, liked him, I did. He was a northerner. But it was all about him. He'd come in, he'd be like, yeah, you know, I'm all about me today, lads, all this stuff. And we worked out at Leicester. If you gave him a compliment in the changing room just before, he always came in came in really well tanned. Like His hair was done perfectly and all this really? stuff. We used to, like, Dino, you should watch him. Dino, tap on the article, mate, your tan looks good. And Dino's ripping the life out of him behind his back. But actually, you backhanded, know Backhanded, yeah. It's backhanded. And, and Dave Pearson, oh, thanks, mate. Give him some, you know, a smile and all this stuff. Then we get every penalty. But Dave Pearson, you couldn't talk to him sometimes. Barnsley, you can have a conversation with. And, um, you know, there's some, there's some quality refs out there. And a lot of the premiership refs are good fun. Matt Carley's a good guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Matt, I like Barnes and I do like Nigel Owens. I know he's not referee the Prem. But, yeah. you know, it's clear you can have a little bit of banter. It's not life or death. You, you know, you can you can have a laugh with them and, and, and they're very receptive to you chatting to them as long as it's yeah. not in a derogatory way. Would you say more referees are into the banter or not into the banter? Or? Um, I'd say that the more confident they get, referees a hard job. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's a tough job. Like you do well, feel you for them. Be a referee. I mean, being a, a player and seeing the abuse that they get from the fans now, and it is becoming more and more prevalent, isn't it? Referees get booed and, and stuff like that yeah. because of decisions. And it's you know, it's it's a real tough gig because every ruck you can pretty much debate each penalty, every scrum, every scrum you can debate them. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's a tough gig. Um, you, you look at Luke Pierce uh, as the ref. We I used, we used to I found out his nickname. What? Squirrel? Uh, <laughs> Tom Daly. They used to call him Tom Daly. Why? Well, he looks like Tom Daly, so we used to say that to oh, him. Okay. And then I when I was at Worcester, right. he used to say that to him. And we lost every game he ref by about 30 <laughs> points. So. All <laughs> to do with that. Yeah, thanks but it's good. Me. We wish Barnsley well. We're big fans of him here. Uh, no hard feelings. And hopefully he'll invite us I'll hold a grudge. <laughs> do you? Yeah, he sent me off. Only time I've ever been sent off in my career. It was yeah. never a red. I did, mate, it you, was, you took Crofty's head off, it mate. Was, it was a red. It was a red. But yeah. we, have, we have had a bit of banter. He gave me a bit of banter when I was playing for Newcastle. There's a decent uh, clip of it on uh, YouTube. Yeah. How do you guys see the final game this weekend? It's interesting, isn't it? Irish and the heat. <laughs> 
Well, exactly, exactly. Leicester are the best team on paper in terms of how they're playing, how they're coached, their structures, the way they play, the way they can play each and every facet of the game. Um, the heat's going to be a factor, no doubt. It's got to be. The French are going to be more used to that. And they've got absolute game breakers in Nakarawa, Vakatawa. Yachawara, Dakindumiyoda. Him. Pat Lambie at 10. They've got guys that can win games single-handedly. But the big thing for me is Machineau's not fit. Um, he's out. So I'm I'm going to Leinster win with factor 50 everywhere for the Irish boys. I can't see Leinster losing. Every game I've seen them play, mainly obviously the Champions Cup, because they've not done that well. They've lost some easy games in the Pro 14. Mm. Goose says nobody cares. I care. And they don't play their best teams. So they well, they don't. But I think across the board, from the coaching setup all the way down to the subs that come on and the culture that they've got there, uh, they're primed to win it, aren't they? I'd be very, very surprised if they don't. Um, so how do Racing win it? You hope in Leinster have an off day. You, yeah. th- you hope that the heat um, plays a factor. You wonder what their set piece is going to be like because we've mentioned that their scrum is probably one of Leinster's weakest facets of their game. So and. Rassing, I've commented on a lot of Racing's games this year. Their forward pack is huge. Exactly. I mean, there's not going to be many scrums, though, is there? I mean, both teams have got quality players. This is the thing. If it's going to be hosing down with rain, there would be more scrums, kick to the corner, mm. big French pack, more in here we go. Um, you're an absolute... You're a closet Leinster fan. Well, you're not a closet Leinster fan. You've been wearing their shirt down Oxford Street, haven't you? Well, to be fair, thank you to Lovell Rugby. They sent me a branded shirt. Um, I didn't ask for much. I just said I'm a Leinster fan on the podcast. They've got wind of it. Next ring, through the door, uh, via Stuart Lancaster, he's had to vet it. Number 19 jersey, standard, legend. Standard 19. Legend above the, above the number. Did it say anything else on the back of it? Or? No, no, just legend and 19. I said four or five would have, would have been my preference, but I could see me in the big sperm in the second row, <laughs> me and Toner. Dream team. But Brutal. yeah, so thank you to love Rugby Leinster. I'm not going to the game, though. You're not. I'm going go to Hong Kong next week, so yeah. I'm going to watch it. Watch it with a beer in me and come on, Leinster, because I'm, I'm best mates with uh, Geordie Murphy and Tad Furlong knows me as well. So No one knows you, Jim. Yeah, Tad. Inter- interesting. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to think about this now. So Leo Cullen, head coach. Yeah. Uh, won it as a player. There's no one else. No there's one's no one, done that. There's no one won it as a player and a head coach. Well, him and the Paris Laurent Travers. Traverse. Did he win it at Breve? Yeah, he won it at Breath, yeah. So the battle of the coaches to be player and coach. Pat Howard, he never won it, did he? As no. a coach. We lost in the final. Wasps. Yeah. That's another one I played in. I, I can't believe I said that. I can't believe I said Mate, it was so long ago. It was well, you 15 called, years ago. You called me out for... <laughs> can't well, believe it. I played more Champions Cup final minutes than you have. But I don't recognise you. That's the thing. You look, the you're a different man now. Great lid now, So it? you look back, you've got a great set of hair now. Thank you. Yeah. And a set of... Have you, have, you got, have you had your wisdom teeth out? Yeah, I have. Yeah. You have? Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, uh, yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> So Bath smashed London Irish to sneak into the Champions Cup after Gloucester and Sale slipped up. And we now hear uh, how they did it from the star of the show, Matt Banahan. Thank you very much for joining us. No, thanks for the invitation. Banners, before we get into it, mate, talk, mate, how much money are we asking for Bath? Why are they not keeping you? Are we asking oh, for a mill? Never, no, yeah, unfortunately it was never about money. Uh, obviously it all kicked off with uh, the negotiation, which uh, I was on a time scale, so... Um, I thought I'd have a bit more, uh, being there 12 years, I'd have a bit more time to, to make a decision. And obviously, uh, they got taken away off the table pretty soon before December the 31st. So once that was taken away, I, I had to look at what was best for me and my family. And, mate, how sad are you to be leaving Bath? We saw you getting carried carried on the shoulders on the way out. Great reception. I think I even mentioned it on, on social media. Because you, you very rarely see these kind of scenes now. And, you know, I personally was shocked that Bath couldn't get something over the line for you. How are you feeling about well, moving to the rivals of Gloucester, obviously, but but leaving your home club? Yeah, it's a massive um, sort of a sad part inside of me, but I think it's sort of the right time for me to leave. Obviously, I've, I've done a lot at the club in 12 years. And I, sometimes you don't have the sort of fairy tale ending. I have an opportunity to, to move on and uh, enjoy my rugby somewhere else. And I think this just shows that the common game, sometimes it's quite hard to get 10 years at, at one place, but... I was fortunate enough to have 12 years uh, and playing some good sides. And I'm just now looking forward to my next challenge. Obviously, I knew back in around Christmas time that my journey was finishing. It didn't come as a surprise to me. So I just had to move on and uh, enjoy my last six months at the club. And obviously, scoring a hat-trick at the weekend took you to 100 tries for Bath. As you said, you've been there for 12 years. What's been the highlight? You must have um, had some real highs in, in terms of competition wins, but also a few lows as well. Yeah, yeah uh, obviously, winning the European Challenge Cup in one of my first couple of years there just because how special the group of players that we had um, playing there. Obviously, Borthers was leaving, going um, 
Sarri, David Barnes retiring, Andy B retiring, Zach Bonati retiring, all these boys that have been there for a long time, seeing how much the club had meant to them was a, a massive part of, uh, of it. And also going into um, more current years was when we made the final on in the semi-finals to be the first person ever to score uh, a hat-trick in the semi-finals, uh, uh, an achievement which is nobody will ever take that away from me, that being the first to do most of these things, um, the thing that means the most to me, as well as uh, knocking up a few records with my tries and appearances as well. And obviously, over those 12 years, you've seen a lot of different coaches, Brian Ashton, uh, Mike Ford, Gary Gold, Todd Blackadder. Um, there's been a, too much disruption for the club to try and compete at the top level, hasn't there? Yeah, it's been, it's been tough. We've obviously, you look at it, in, in 12 years, I've had 12 different coaches throughout, if it's defence, backs, attacks, uh, forwards. You talk, look at the, the, the strongholds of the, the league at the moment with Exeter, Sarri, Newcastle, we've seen up there. They're, they're, they're people that have got a structure of their coaches who have been performing well for a couple of years and, and being given the, the foundation to build on. And obviously, hopefully, in years to come, Bath will have that when they find the right mixture. But obviously, I'll just move on now and, and look back at the good times I had with some of, the, some of the best coaches in the world when they've been here. And unfortunately, they haven't lasted for, for a long enough time, but um, I've enjoyed learning off them whilst they've been here. Who was your favourite? Uh, Tabai Matson. Uh, uh, as well as Steve Meehan giving me my first opportunity, I think Tab sees the game like every back wants to see it, moving the ball to space, having the opportunity to, to throw an offload. And as long as your thought process is correct, you won't uh, critique a mistake. It's if you're thinking the right thing, it's more skill where... You can work on skill, which is what you want to work on. If you chuck an offload to the deck, you'll work on your offload skills rather than saying it was the wrong option. When it was, uh, if you went to hand, it would have worked. Uh, just a few words on Bruce Craig. Uh, what's he really like now you're leaving? You might be able to tell us. Does he walk around with a hoover in his hand every day or not? No, uh, we don't actually see Bruce too much. Um, obviously, he's been wheeling and dealing around trying to get new coaches and players in. So he's doing that. We don't really see him too much around at um, Farley House. But I'm sure uh, he's, he's trying his best to, to get his stadium that he wants and build the legacy that he wants to leave behind himself. And so when you talk about his wheeling dealing with players and stuff, is Bruce Craig doing negotiations? Is he, you know, when you, when you talked about your uh, offer was on the table and then uh, you would put, uh, there was a time scale put on it, it's not Bruce Craig doing that, is it? Uh, well, what, what I know, it's, it's, it's not coming from Todd, so I, I, all I have to know is that it comes to the representative of the club, who I don't know who speaks above that, so I can only guess and sort of speculate who it is, but I think that when you look at where the club, when a coach wants his players and squads and how we've gone through so many coaches, maybe that might be the reason why the, the coaches, who, who's, whose team is it sometimes, but we, uh, we're still 15 players on the pitch giving it our best, um, whoever's pulling the shirt on. Uh, mate, away from rugby, you're a man that obviously likes tattoos like myself. I mean, um, mine look very good. So do yours. What's the worst tattoo you've got? Are you getting any more this summer? Uh, I haven't really got much time this summer, but um, my family hate my one on my knee. The face of the devil, which I also say is my children on a bad day, but um, <laughs> so I've seen that a few one, times, mate. I smashed you down down by the knees, mate. I've seen that tattoo. Yeah, a few that, times. I think I, I think I don't like it the most, just because it hurt the most coming off the, the kneecap onto the tendon. But um, so a lot of my tattoos, I have to think about it a lot before I get them and make sure that they're they have a meaning before I uh, finish them. And when, when talking about your tattoos, obviously you're still playing. You've got a three-year deal, I think, at Gloucester. Um, I've seen Jim. He's retired a year ago now, and he's got saggy skin, so the tattoo's looking very different. How, <laughs> how, how does he fix that? Um, well, I, all I know is that I'm going to look really cool when I'm older and have a lot of good stories. Um, you're going to have saggy skin wherever. I'd either push out like yours into a round cannon bin. Are you yeah. what you <laughs> Goody's actually planning on getting a, a full back piece anyway. It's the only part of your body that doesn't stretch. <laughs> Matt, you've played against both these guys, uh, Jim and Goody. Uh, any fond memories, any bad memories, apart no from Jim memories. running over the top of you? Um, well, Jim was the one of that. I'd always remember playing in the derbies that would always be aiming for our, one of our second rows in the very first scrum, Diesel would come up. I remember, I think it was against Ryan Caldwell, I think four minutes into a derby at the rec, both of them getting a yellow card, trying to set the tone, but the rest of us thought, thank God for that, they're off the pitch. Now they can fight with each other. It was, um, a, it was a battle of the shit tattoos between me and Caldwell. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But then Goody, I was, like I said, I was lucky enough to play with Goody in my first couple of games for England and to see somebody in, with such a bad body play for England that, that I try and model myself <laughs> it, just gave you, it just gave you hope didn't it mate yeah exactly I'm still I'm still chopping along slowly <laughs> mate <laughs> interesting like, I know before you go and again mate I'm, not, I'm a big fan of the way that you've played this season what what other chances uh, have you been on a tour in the summer obviously it's pretty slim now do you have any dealings at all with Eddie Jones or anything like that no, anything... I, 
I've no dealings with anybody from England. Uh, I haven't spoken to anybody for a couple of years uh, now. I, I'm at that stage. If, if they wanted me to go and help the youngsters go and crack on and make them a better player, I'm happy there. But as my aspirations, I'm, I'm quite happy with uh, my family at home playing week in, week out for, for, for the club. Um, what people don't realise is that when you play international rugby, you spend a lot of time away from the family. Uh, I'm not in that stage of my career now that I want to do that. So I, I just enjoy what I've done. Like I said, nobody will ever take away my caps that I've got for England or my uh, Six Nations or World Cup cap. Uh, I can look back with a, a fondness of what I've done and not trying to sort of chase it. And then just finally, obviously, you're moving over to Gloucester. Pre-season starts at some point, I presume, in July. Are you moving house from Bath to Gloucester? Are you commuting? Cheltenham, Cheltenham, probably. The backs used to live in Cheltenham. The Gloucester backs used to... You don't want to live in Gloucester, trust me, it's horrible. Luckily, I live near the motorway anyway in Bath and I'm redeveloping one of my house or just renovating my house. Um, so it doesn't really take much. It'll take me about 50 minutes to get up there. So yeah. I'm going to be staying there, keep the kids in the same school. Nice, and Bath's a lot nicer than Gloucester. You know, that oh, big... mate, Gloucester's yeah. lovely, mate. Yeah, no, Ch- urban, it's Ch- urban. Chelton's urban. lovely, you need a stab vest in Gloucester. Oh, go. you're horrible, mate, <laughs> that's why they hate you there. <laughs> mate, thank you so much for joining us, mate, and uh, best of luck at Gloucester. No worries, thanks for the lesson. Cheers, Banners. Come on and uh, have a good week. Yeah, Cheers, good man. mate. Big fan of his. I, I keep saying it, not, not a fan of George Ford, big fan of Banners. What would you brought George Ford into this for? Mate, why, have you, why, are, you, <laughs> why are you making it a thing? Um, um, mate, Banners... Yeah, what, a, what a season. Yeah. It's interesting, actually, because he said about this um, time scale he was given on a contract. He spent 12 years at that club. Mate, he's got the Hoover man doing the contracts. Yeah, but he's, he's done everything for that club. And from what I gather in what he's saying there, they said to him, here's your contract. You've got a certain amount of time to sign it. And it sounds like it wasn't a very long amount of time. Christmas. It was before Christmas. But who have they got in to replace him? Um, I think they Because getting... I, I heard it was one week. I yeah. heard it was one week they give him to sign, which is, you know, for a player that's been there 12 years is disrespectful. But a player um, that's been there that long, that can play that many positions, that yeah. performs week in, week out. And that's the thing, week so, in, week out. So as well. who have they signed? I've heard they've signed Joe Cock and the singer. And we've talked about this before. Okay, yeah, okay. Who well, is like for like in terms of size and body and But he and could shape, be away. If he's in the England squad, he could potentially I, I be know, away. I know. Bath have made a big error. The Hoover man has, has, has had, he's got a lot to answer for. He has. He has. But also you look at it and there's some strange decisions gone on at Bath this year. Dave Atwood is tearing up trees for Toulon. Yeah. Um, and Bath have squeaked into the Champions Cup next year by the skin of their teeth by beating uh, Gloucester away and then smashing London Irish at home last game of the season and other results going their way because purely because Gloucester knew they'd already qualified for the Champions Cup. Um, Dave Atwood's been tearing up trees for Toulon and they let him go on loan there. Uh. He's going back there next season. He's a club that sounds to me, and whispers, I'm not talking about what Banners was saying, but whispers around the place that Craig, Bruce Craig... Hooverman... Mr. Well, he's not the Hooverman himself. His best mate's the Hooverman. Oh, I thought he was. I thought he was the Hooverman. No, no. Oh, okay. I got the wrong end of the slippers. So, yeah. okay. <laughs> slippers. So um, I thought Bruce Craig was the Mr. Dyson. No, 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 no. That's oh, another guy. That's another all right. Guy that wears glasses. Uh, that st- sits in his box with him. So when like they're always panning, an old, an old panning the box, that's Bruce. Craig, who you know, Bruce Craig's on in the box but with, with the lid. He looks yeah, like. Then there's another guy that wears the the black round glasses. Yeah, okay. that looks like Harry Potter's dad. Okay. Um, Did uh, not know. There we get learn something new every day. That's Mr. Dyson. Anyway, but it sounds like Bruce Craig, the owner, making decisions on contracts and things like that. The Who co- are you? Uh, Who are well, you? He, to be fair, he's putting all the money in. But mate, Todd Black as the man. Yeah. You can see actually his frustration. Yeah, there's the issue. Because people are like, oh, change Todd Blackadder. Mate, he's a quality coach. And they obviously lost. Was he, at, was he at Edinburgh with you? He was no, he wasn't. He was player. He played then coached, coached there. Yeah. Lads loved him, loved him. Then obviously went back to Crusaders. Yeah, God, I know my Ruggers corps, eh? Still going on about corps, isn't he? I mean, yeah. when are you going to let that well, go? Well, you keep going on about four all, all the time. Well, you say God, you, you that, say you don't rate him. Did that go viral or not? Did you see him at the weekend? Absolutely belting well, boys. Let's talk Premiership, shall we? Leicester rocking up, decided yeah. to rock up. Yeah. After the podcast last week, so George Ford. Got a try, a conversion, a penalty, and a drop. And had a blinder. Called it mate, a full house. That's what we mate, used to call it. it. Four. But f- forget all that stuff. Mate, he were belting boys. Smash a mile on yard into touch. Uh, Weber's done a pick and go around the breakdown. He's absolutely belted him. He's belted Weber in his mate, tits. He's belted him, yeah. The belly on Webs. Well, mate, he'll, he'll, he basically mounted when he hit him. But, like, <laughs> it, mate, he, he, he smashed, you can see. Yeah. And he's beating his chest. Was he beating so, his chest? Mate, he was. <laughs> mate, Summer, gorillas are out, mate. Summer's. Um, so, so uh, wait, listen, you're welcome, Lester. Well, I don't know. I don't know whether he's listening to it or he's got whispered whispers. I know some of the lads, and I looked at it, and you kind of like watching it back, and I don't watch too much back, and I'm cringing a little bit about how hard we're going. But then you look at it, and it's right. And this week, he plays well. 
plays very well defensively and does all the stuff that what the fish just said. And Leicester win comfortably. Yeah. But to be fair, Manu was class at the weekend as yeah, well. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know what the hell his, his hair's doing at the minute. He's got a terrible beast. He's, on, he's got he? a teepee on his he's head. He's got the old teepee. Teepee. Oh dear, oh dear. <laughs> he's got the old Donald Trump, hasn't he? Goody, you must be happy with uh, Wasps' uh, victory over Newcastle or mixed emotions there. Or, you know, they've now earned a trip away to uh, Saris, preferable to Exeter, I would imagine. Yeah, I mean, you look at the two teams that. Newcastle and, and Wasp put out and they both teams rested a few but Wasps they, they've played up there a few times over the last few years in the Premiership and dominated every time you know they love the 4G track up there against a, a Newcastle team Josh Matavesi a mate of mine was playing um, at fly half and you know, Newcastle rested a few boys and, and weren't at the races they knew they'd made the semi-finals uh, which is a fantastic achievement for them but Wasp rock up into town and you know Cipriani was outstanding performance you talk about how well George Ford played well times out by 10 Cipriani was that good and yeah, I think he played 45 minutes and so why got man of the match so you tell me right okay get into it stop being horrible about George Ford will you go there <laughs> so why why is Eddie Jones not picked Cipriani and he's picked George Ford so both attacking attacking wise I actually think Cipriani's uh, I, I mean actually, I'm a huge fan of George Ford but <laughs> Cipriani's better at ball in hand. He but, attacks the line, keeps his shoulder yeah, square. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Let's do a bit of analysis now. Yeah. Keeps his shoulder square. There's no one better in the league at taking the ball to the line and picking the right option, yeah. whether it's out the back, whether it's the short ball, whether it's him having a little dart. Because he's square to the line with his shoulders. He can see everything. Peripheral vision's great. And time after time, he's picked the best option. So why? So why is he not well, I don't think there's no, there's, there's no excuse now for Eddie Jones not to pick. But why hasn't he? Well, he said, he, he said something about he wouldn't have him in the squad unless he's his first choice. Potentially because of the character, because he didn't need him in the squad or whatever, and they had the balance of Ford and Farrell as his 10-12 slash, you know, uh, Farrell first choice, Ford second choice, if it came down to that. I can understand that. And then you've got Lozowski, who's covered it as well. But right now, and you go back to George Ford, the way he played for the, in the Six Nations, the way he's played for Leicester... Stop being horrible. I'm not being horrible. Danny Cipriani has performed by far and away at a better level, way better level than George Ford. Danny Cipriani is the best 10 in the Premiership right now for the last six months. Yeah. And I've written a column for rugbypass.com. Great platform. Great platform. And you talk about it and you think England need to make a few changes, not drastic changes, but you need to make a few changes. Our attack was fairly blunt in the Six Nations. So you bring our best attacking option in at 10, you put Cipriani at 10, you play Farrell at 12 and see how that axis works. Because you lose nothing. People talk about Cipriani and his defence and even Di Young said it. He made a tackle against a chase back tackle against Northampton a couple of weeks ago. And Di Young joked after the game and said, oh yeah, that'll be his first tackle of the season sort of thing. But you're losing nothing in defensive capabilities by swapping George Ford and, and Danny Cipriani around because Ford's defence up until he's beasting boys at the weekend has been poor for England and they hide him um, and he gets picked out. So you, you, you're no worse there, but you're far better in attack and in terms of an attacking threat. Um, and it just, you know, you have to see how it works in a, in a camp. And, you know, undoubtedly, if he doesn't get picked now... He's never getting picked for England because he's playing the best rugby of his career, I reckon. And he hasn't got a club. Well, he's wait. I spoke to him last week, and he's actually waiting to see what gets announced on Thursday. Of course, yeah. To see, you know, it's that whole thing. If you're not going to get picked for England right now, and you're playing at the level he's playing at, where he, everyone knows he deserves to get picked on form, then you know, bugger off abroad and earn twice as much coin. You know, he's fought and fought and fought and proved it on the field in terms of his performances to get picked. And so it's now's the time, Eddie. If he doesn't pick him, that'll be the end of him. In terms of playing in England, which is a shame. Eddie, are you okay? We'll see. We'll see on Thursday. I'd like to see him. Go. Eddie, are you okay? He's announcing his squad on Thursday. And potentially, his new backs coach. Who do um, you reckon? Any rumours? Well, you're looking at him, boys. Really? No. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Is a rumour. Yeah. Um, that he said he's come out and said he's he's worked with this person before. So he's worked with Sam Vesti on the tour last year. Rory Teague, um, who's, Rory at Teague who's a head coach at Bordeaux. Sam Vesti's moving from Worcester to Northampton. And then um, Mr. Ella from Australia, who's Ella, come... Ella, 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 as in tier one, we haven't got an attack coach and we just chop and change people in as we fancy. Eddie, are you okay? Dictator. Yeah. You talk about fly-offs on the, on the Tour to South Africa, I think you've got to go Cipriani and Farrell as your two tens. Farrell could cover 12 and, or play 12. And then your third choice, I'd send Marcus Smith on the 20s and pick uh, Simmons on the on the Tour to South Africa. He's running the team that's top of the log, playing really well. Um, and, you know, the big decision, we've talked about it on the podcast, haven't we, about 
dropping Steenson and playing Joe Simmons. He was phenomenal in that game. Yeah, made a break, skinned Rob Shaw once, and then on the hoof. It's a difficult skill, and Jim wouldn't know about this, but being at your top speed, whatever your top speed is, and obviously... Why the top speed? Well, it's fucking slow. But then to be able to pick out a perfect 25, 30-metre pass at top speed after you've made a break, the skill level of that kid, Jason, is 21. Um, but he's come through, and obviously Rob Baxter, fair play to him. That is a massive shout to drop your captain. Yeah. Your guy that's kicked the winner last year in the Premiership final, yeah. and the guy that sets the, the standard and is so has been so integral to that team in Gareth Steenson, and picking a 21 year old at 10 who is ripped it up in the biggest position yeah. on the pitch. Yeah, uh, it's a fair play. I reckon he, you know, picking for England. Um, the only sad thing really is um, for, for that last game, Quinn's John Kingston's last game at the club. It would have just been nice for John Kingston to get a, a top quality performance out of. Quins and it's just are, not they, been, it's are just the Quins players bothered or not, mate? I'm, it, didn't, it doesn't look like it, but I just don't get it. Like they're all on social media, you know. We're on social media. We do a bit. We don't do a bit. Self fabrication or whatever they call it. Um, but the Quins boys are all over it. Self promotion. They're all over it though. They're, you know, they're out there having a bit. End of the hashtag. End of the season. I'm not going to name names, but you go on there. That they're all over it. Mm. I'm like, mate, you've been absolutely spanked and embarrassed yourself and the team. Why do you hate Quinns and George Ford so much? Well, I didn't get invited to the um, testimonials. I don't know what's going on with it. Danny Cares, Ben Foden's. Goody was there. Goody. It's like a bloody... Yeah, I, was at, I was at Ben Foden's it, last night. Is it, a, you... is it a schmoozical or what? Well, it's basically it's Ben Foden Shit inviting musical. players that he's played with and against that he really respects and, and he, good mates. He had my old address. Um, I apologise, I couldn't make it. <laughs> that he invites, you know, with the Saturdays were there, mixing with Molly King and people. Never heard of him. You what? know, that, they haven't heard of you. I've never heard of him. Molly who? You never heard of Molly King, but never heard of him. Oh, a woman? No. I mean, you don't what, get advice these why things. Why are they all singing? You, you have no impact. Why no. are they singing? It's a bloody rugby do. It's, oh, it's just something different. Um, yeah, it's good actually. Um, really good. Raise a load of money for Sparks Charity, um, kids charity as well. So um, and a lot for the Ben Foden back pocket. <laughs> um, you know, you talk Mate, about it Fodes. Good. It looked good to me. I was you, just you, jealous. You talk about Fodes, and uh, you know, I think he played his two hundred fiftieth game for. Northampton and final game uh, for them at the weekend. Played exceptionally well, captain the side, let them out. Uh, it's a nice way to finish. And there's been some nice stories over the weekend, hasn't there, in terms of players finishing. Foden, obviously, one. He's off to New York. A few yeah. guys uh, having having a crack at conversions. Logo. Logo, Monopola. Get your foot through it, son. <laughs> Old Tecker's gym there. Old Logo. It's a nice touch, though, that. Well, they were, they were pissed, weren't they? The sale, sale fans and the people who run the sale social media on Twitter. Oh, really? They said it was disrespectful. Really? Yeah. Last kick of the season, the kids well, leaving. He's been there for saying. a few years. It's her own fault, mate. For not, got thirty for, odd hose by him. Yeah. So yeah, they they said it was disrespectful. They put it out on social media. Dry your eyes, say. I don't know. I ain't bothered. It's ruggers, isn't it? At the end of the David day, David Pace slotted one over as well. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. mate. Pacey. What the, uh, who was refing that game? He said, "Hurry up, or I'm going to send you." Matt Carley, I think it was, wasn't it? Yeah, Matt Carley said that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See that referees have good bounce. The end of the Z. season, everyone's looking forward to holiday. Everyone was sunburned at the weekend, sunstroke. Well, let's wrap things up. Uh, let's uh, see what's been good, what's been bad, and what's been ugly in rugby over the last week with Andy Good. Yeah, there's plenty of good actually. Obviously, coming towards the end of the season, regular season in various competitions, uh, Exeter finishing top of the Premiership. Give them a shout out. Um, obviously, went down to Quinns, knowing they were finishing top. Joe Simmons was outstanding. He skinned Rob Shaw for a break and then threw a perfect 25 metre pass. He deserves a shout out, not only because of his good play, but also someone threatened me on Twitter that if I didn't put it in the good he would unsubscribe to the podcast. So we've kept one extra listener this week by saying that. Um, Tom Seabrook scored a try after 58 seconds on his Premiership debut. That's a big you know, big thing to do, Jim. Yeah. Your Premiership, first Premiership try took like, 17 years or something. Did you ever score in the Premiership? Yeah, I did. I can't no, I can't remember. Anyway, we'll yeah, move no, on. Uh, so shout out to Tom Seabrook. Um, the Haguares or the Jaguars, um, they beat the Chiefs, Andy Rowe. Chief, 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 Chief. Two from two in New Zealand. So that was pretty good. Shout out to them. Uh, and then you go to... All the players that have finished over the weekend. Ben Foden uh, scored on his 250th and final game for, for Northampton Saints. Massive shout out to him. Banners, Matt Banahan, we had him on air earlier um, with his hat trick being carried through the guard of honour with a can of cider uh, in his hand after his final game at Bath. Outstanding performance over the 12 years. Uh, great way to finish for him. Uh, Vincent Clerc scored a try in his final game uh, to make him the league's top try scorer in the top 14 ever. Um, Passing Lauren Arbo's record. Oh, look at that. Who's wow. doing your research stats, for you, eh? Stats, Who's stats. done all that? But the good this week goes to Rougerie. 
Oh, mate, how good was that? He played his final game for Claremont after 30 years at the club. Mate, um, 500, where's that 500 been ponged out of? So he's jo- he joined as an eight-year-old and he's played 419 games for the club and another 76 games for France. Uh, that is a hell of a career. He's Mr. Claremont. I think his mum's the mayor of the town or something like his that. His mum's a what? His mum's the mayor of the town, the mayor, Jim. Sorry, the mayor. Yes, yes. Mayor. Uh, but to play 419 games for uh, any club and then you top that up with 76 games for, for France as well. And 30 years at Claremont, that is a phenomenal achievement. So the good this week goes to Aurelien Rougerie. Uh The bad, uh, not too much bad really, but we've got to just give it straight to Gloucester for their biggest ever Premiership defeat. We've hosed teams on here before uh, for big Premiership defeats, the likes of Northampton, etc., etc. throughout the season. So, uh, Gloucester, I know they're fully focusing on the Challenge Cup and it is an excuse, but you never want to go into a, into a cup final off the bar, back of your biggest ever Premiership defeat. So, the bad this week has to go to them. Uh, and then the ugly, two bits of ugliness. Oh, what? Two bits of ugliness what? this week. And they're both coming out of Australia. Nick Phipps on his stag do, dressed as a cow, pissed up a bar. In his cow suit. Moo, moo, no, no way. Um, that's Dressed as a cow, he's pissed Dressed up a bar. Dressed as a cow, he's pissed up a bar. Has he been in trouble? Yes, uh, he got banned and fined and all this stuff. And yeah, no good. No good for rugged moo players good, Moo good, moo good, mate, moo good. Um, but that's not the ugly this week. The ugly is going to Israel Folau again. Mate, what's wrong with the guy? He's now posted a link to a video of an 11-minute sermon that warns against tolerance of same-sex marriage. Israel Folau, we know what you think. Let it go, wind your neck and it's ugly. Mate, what's wrong with him? And, and we're talking about bloody a cow pissing up a bar. And now we're talking about a bloke that is just going wild. I know. The social media's the devil. And he shouldn't do it. He'd be, be careful about the devil because he'll say something oh, about that. you see what I did there, though? Yeah, you see what I did? It's, you know, it's a talking he's, point upon a talking he's point. He's not happy with... Uh, he wants everyone to be Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Mate. And in Australia, same-sex marriage is legal. It is. Mm. So we get what you say, Israel. We get that you're not into it. But you've made your point. Shut up about it. So Israel Falau, you get the ugly. Thanks, Goody. And we've got a couple of shout-outs to end on. First of all, uh, good luck to all the guys riding from Falmouth to London on Friday to raise money for a Care After Combat charity. And there's a couple of loyal listeners off on their stag do's this weekend who uh, might need even more luck. Chris Coburn is off to Dublin this weekend with 36 fellow Ulstermen oh, on no. his uh, stag do. Behave, and apparently uh, you've uh, always been a big hero of his, actually, Jim. <laughs> Guilty, Even- sorry. What, is he, is he a six foot eight streak of piss with terrible <laughs> tattoos as well? He's just, mate, he's, he's a guy who enjoys watching movies. He reckons he's uh, filled you in in the past as well. I didn't really. Uh, and uh, Matthew Sprott is off uh, on his with 27 mates as well. Uh, he was born in England, but has adopted Scotland as his home. Because he wasn't good enough to play team, for them. And he shares your love of wiping from the front, Jim. Uh, so it's best men, Guy and Hugh, are uh, hoping you can pass on the message to meet them on Friday at 10am at Brother Marcus Restaurant and Ballam Good Restaurant. Uh, he will be listening, and this will be his only instruction. Bring trainers and spare kegs. Yes. Yeah, bring them. Sh- should, we go, should we go? Yeah, see you there, Goody. Friday, see you there. we're there at 10am, Brother Marcus Restaurant in Ballam. Thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, follow us on Twitter, review us on iTunes, and check out eventbrite.co.uk for details on any upcoming live shows. Moo. Pod, pod, pod. Pod, pod, pod.